All right. Yeah, that song gets my blood pumping, gets my heart pounding. That's Ride Strong. That's a new song I've been working on for a while now, and uh, it's almost done. Not quite done yet, but that's an early preview. I wanted to put that together for these next couple podcasts, and especially for these times that we're going through right now. It's really important for us to stay strong and stay positive. And the message in this song is just that. You got to fight through some hard times to get through the good times. We will definitely get there, people. Just stay focused. Right now, I'd like to take your mind off of things, and I'm going to share with you an interview that I did on the Monsters of Rock cruise in my cabin with the one and only Kelly Nobles. Kelly's playing the double bass drums on this song, and he plays in a band called Rail. They're one of my favorite rock bands from Seattle, Washington, from the early 80s, the late 70s. Actually, I found out that they've been around for even longer than that. They formed in 1969. I had no idea the history behind the band. So we're going to talk about the band Rail and their drummer Kelly Nobles coming up. Do you have the working man blues? If you live in the Northern California area, be sure to visit Rayleigh's to get your essentials and get yourself a bountiful supply of the heavy metal hippie double IPA made exclusively by the Out of Bounds Brewing Company. Northern California's finest craft beer. All right, if you search on YouTube for Rail the Band, that's R A I L the band, you will find some videos of Rail the Band, and you might even find the videos of me jamming with them. Yep, Frank Hannon jammed with Rail on their song Hello, and we also played that Rush song that you just heard called Working Man. Uh, Rail is one of my favorite bands from Seattle, Washington. Uh, we opened up for them when we were just starting out as City Kid back in the club days in the early 80s. We drove up to Boise, Idaho, and Kelly Nobles and I talk about that place. There was a club called the Tub Pub in Boise, Idaho. And the tub pub had hot tubs in the club. So when you paid your cover charge, you could come in and uh, hang out with your friends and get in hot tubs while you watch the band. Uh, that was before AIDS and that was even before herpes and definitely long before this coronavirus came out and uh, made everybody do social distancing. Uh, there was no social distancing in the tub pub in Boise, Idaho in 1982. <laughs> Well, anyway, fast forward to this last winter of 2019. I was playing my song Ride Strong for my good friend Jack Halsey. And he and I looked at each other and said, man, Kelly Nobles would be the perfect drummer to play double bass drums on this song. So I got a hold of Kelly and he was gracious enough to record drums and send them to me via email. And I imported the tracks onto the track that you're hearing now. I'm going to play that for you in a little while. But first, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit more about Kelly. He's six foot four inches tall and he's got arms longer than LeBron James and he plays drums like a madman. It's like the drumsticks are shredding lumber all over the stage when he plays. And, uh, you know, Rail never really got the big breaks that I thought they should deserve. So they took some time off in the late 80s, and Kelly went on to be the regional manager of United Parcel Service. And also, now he has become a major hemp farmer. Kelly and his partners have manufactured seeds for hemp farming that produce CBD oils that benefit people with medical needs. So we're going to talk about all that interesting stuff, and we're going to Listen to some music with Kelly Nobles from Rail on the Far Out Podcast.
All right, you are listening to the Far Out Podcast. I'm Frank Hannon, your host, and we are recording this on the Monsters of Rock cruise in my cabin. My cabin has turned into a little studio here on the ship. Uh, I just got done talking to Niels Lozauer, and now I'm joined by an old friend, one of my favorite rock and roll drummers. Mr. Kelly Nobles. What's happening, Kelly? Hey, Frank, you are too kind, man. This is the high point of the trip, hanging with you, buddy. Except I'm recovering from my uh, heavy metal hippie night the other night. That was awesome. Oh, man, they sold 2,000 cans of heavy metal hippie beer. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. No, I can believe it. Everybody was going wild. That was the first night of the cruise. And I have to be honest, I was kind of worried that everybody was going to get hung over on the <laughs> right away, you know, because that's a strong brew. Yes, that for sure it is. But it's great, man. I love it. Love it. Thanks, Kelly. So I'm talking to Kelly Nobles. I mean this with my heart. He's one of my favorite rock and roll drummers. Because when I was a kid, I saw Rail back at the Boise Summer Festival or something, 1982, 83, something like that. We had driven up there to play a gig with our band before Tesla. We were called City Kid. And, you know, we were a cover band. And we were playing at a club called the Tub Pub. Yeah, yeah, in Boise, yeah, hot tubs in the club. Hot tubs yeah. in the club. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Rail played, and, you know, I was just blown away by Rail, I mean, because obviously you guys were a kick-ass band, but your drumming, you know, I was like, wow, that guy's freaking cool. Oh, I'll tell you what, man, it's just it's all about having fun, I, you know. And those the four guys in Rail, the four of us have been together since ninth grade. We learned to play together. Still together now, we're still gigging. 50 years, I hate to say that, you know. You guys are classic, and in my mind, you know, as a fan, you guys are legendary and classic, and I want to talk to Larry, and hopefully we're going to get you on the Monsters of Rock cruise eventually. Someday it'll happen. You guys are awesome. You're from the Pacific Northwest. You guys never left Seattle. You guys based out of Seattle. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. We had our own label, um, Dynasty Records, and Mike Fisher from Heart, Magic Man, produced our first record. In 79, we started recording it, and then um, our manager, John Bauer, he wrote for the writer for Van Halen. He was pretty close with the guys and he, he did 13 rehearsal shows for them in the northwest they called them the lost city shows before they went on the 1980 uh, women and children first tour and we were fortunate enough to start on those they hired us whether we played the next day or not we ended up playing 47 cities one day at a time finding out the next day they were so good to us it was it was a magical time but opening uh, for van halen in the heyday in the heyday 1980 yeah yeah and they yeah. they were really really good to us there were several times that their label and agency uh, were on them about the opening act slot because they wanted to break an act that they were, you know, on their own on their own label. And uh, after the forty-seven cities, uh, we got really close with them, and, and we're going to go to Europe with them. They invited us to, but they knew that we hadn't finished the album. Here we are on the tour, and don't even have an album out. Right. So they said, "Get your ass back to Seattle and finish that record," which which we did. And uh, and that's the one with Hello and Backseat yeah. Lovers and yeah. Gangbusters and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right was the name of the album and it turned out it was kind of funny because uh you know mtv hadn't started yet we we shot yeah a this is before mtv yeah yeah mtv really got up and running about 83 and this was about 79 or 80 maria from our management company had us do a, a video when before there were music videos it was for a, a, some guys going to college for their thesis but we, sh we shot it in the juanita field house and brought in a crowd kisw got involved and we made a pretty cool video didn't know what we were going to do maria tells us this MTV basement tape thing came on. Competition for $100,000 and an EMI record deal. Turned out to be six months and 
20,000 bands. And we're telling her, no, we're not entering some basement tape. Well, she entered us anyway, and thank God she did. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, you guys, that's one of the things you are known for. Now, I hate to use this word unknown band, but unfortunately, rail never broke. And to me, that's, you know, tragic because you guys were a kick-ass fucking band. But you did break on the MTV basement tapes. Yeah, yeah, and they were great. After we won that... With, with the song Hello. With the song Hello, that's what you're going to be thinking about when you mention that. And so, so MTV, for about eight months, played Hello to death, yeah. which was great, and they ran our itinerary. And we, we negotiated the terms because they wanted us to do all cover songs from their label, and we wanted to do our originals. Right. And so we had to hire Schlesinger and Guggenheim, who represented Scorpions and everybody else, and finally we settled with them half and half. And uh, and then Night Ranger's producer, Pat Glasser, mm-hmm. produced it, and Van Halen's people came up to Seattle, and we did another video, uh, One, Two, Three, Four. One, Two, Three, Four, Rock and Roll, yeah. 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 And then and so MTV was great. Then that, that was released in 84. And then you did Fantasy, the song Fantasy. Fantasy was on, yeah, we did that on yeah. MTV too. And so from 80 with Van Halen and 83, 84 with MTV, everything was kind of happening for us, but we weren't signed to a national label. Yeah. And, and it didn't get traction. So being from Seattle, you guys would trek down to LA and do this stuff, but you didn't really have a whole lot of support down there. It was funny. We only played LA once. We played all through Florida and up the East Coast. We played with Dokken in the Bronx. We played, you know, we played all all over the country. Denver was probably our biggest market, but it was kind of a cult thing. You know, we yeah. play the clubs, play the Rainbow, play Red Rocks Theater three or four times. You played my hometown of Sacramento at the Oasis. Yes, And yeah. uh, our band opened for you. Yeah, hell yeah. And there was a little cubby hole right behind the, where the drum riser was, and I sat back there. You were playing on your bar stool. Hell yeah. <laughs> you used to be a keg for about five years, and then it upgraded to a bar stool. <laughs> you sat on a keg? <laughs> yeah. About five years, yeah. When did you start playing drums, bro? Who was your biggest influence when you first started? You know, I mean, I love Tommy Aldridge. There's just so many of them, but um, when I was young, standing up at the front of Zeppelin and all, all of us, we'd go to the shows together and we'd, you know, I want to I be that guy, you know? And yeah. So I remember seeing Brownsville Station and and he had four shell toms and he was standing up playing and he's breaking drumsticks and I'm going, yeah, that's badass, you know? And yeah. So that started me with the big tom thing. Okay. And then I saw um, Corky Lang with Mountain at the Paramount and he was bouncing sticks off his symbol into the balcony. Yeah. And I'm going, dude, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some of those things that you, you see, you just pick up on and then run with it. Definitely. Well, for everyone that's listening, let me describe Kelly Nobles to you. Okay. How tall are you, man? 6'4". Six, 6'4". Four. Six, four. And imagine animal on drums. Well, this guy is beyond animal. Like I said, when I was a young guy and when we opened for you guys, the style of drumming that you do, I call it caveman drumming, <laughs> yeah. you know? And when I get guys that record in my studio, you know, I always tell them, you know, they're always wanting to play the fancy kind of paradiddles and shit. I'm like, no, you got to play caveman drumming. Yeah, get on it. But you take it with a double bass, which is one of my favorite styles of drumming, you know, like you mentioned Tommy Aldridge and Neil Peart, of course. Which brings me to the reason why I would really wanted you to perform on my new song that's going to come out this year called Ride Strong. Yeah, thank you. I'm very humbled by that. What an invitation. Thanks for letting me jump in on that. When I heard that song, and I had the demo I did with the little drum machine, I played it for our good friend Jack. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that's Kelly Nobles all the way. (laughs) So we put it together, and uh, I sent you the tracks. You guys recorded it. It's all about that double bass, man. I love that double kick style, which you don't really see too much. Even a lot of these drummers you're hearing on the cruise here, not a lot of drummers do that. Yeah, I've just always been drawn to that. And it's the live action, you know, a lot of 
tom work, double bass, and I and a little cheating live, you know, with the sticks. We had four aircraft landing lights behind the drums and a great big fan. Yeah. So it wasn't about it wasn't even the, the, the strength of beating it. But you just snap the the cymbal and break the tip off. Yeah. And you snap it and then it starts shredding and those fan would push the, the sticks up into the aircraft landing lights and make it look like a sawmill. Yeah. We, we did six songs with Van Halen, thirty minute set, and then and then a whole lot of Rosie for an encore every night. Yeah. And I, I averaged fifty six sticks in thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> fifty six drum sticks in thirty minutes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everyone listening, dial up Rail the Band on YouTube and check out Hello. That drum intro is one of my favorite. The tones you got on that are killer. That was Mike Fisher from Heart. He, he, he did that for us. Yeah, Roger Fisher and Mike Fisher from Heart. Everyone that knows me knows that I'm huge fans of them as well. And so they produced that in their home studio. Is that right? Well, Roger had a studio in his living room, and, and it was the 16th, well, 24 track, actually. Mike was really into detail. We, we spent a lot of time. He, he really he got some great drum sounds for me and he owns all the credit for that yeah the tom-toms the the tone of those tom-toms is stellar and i'm a little partial because right after see that was during dog and butterfly and and i was dating his secretary and house sitting in mike and ann's house driving to porsche and she was singing on some songs and we toured with heart and then found out at the end of Dog and Butterfly, when he left Heart, it was because he married my sister and they had eight kids. Oh, wow. So my brother-in-law is Mike, and all my okay. nieces and nephews, their dad is Magic Man. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's a family affair there. <laughs> it, turned, it turned into that, yeah. Yeah. So the band was called Rail and Company, is that right? Yeah. Our crew was with us the whole time, and we all, back in the day when it was bars for cheap money, and there's four band members and six crew guys, and we had our semi, we're one or two rooms, we were all doubled up in there, and so the crew, the end company was our crew we really felt like we were all a gang you know and, and then as disco came in you know white heart went to heart and, and silver beetles and chicago trans authority chicago and we thought rail and company sounds like we should have a horn section yeah so we yeah. said let's just call it freaking rail you know and rail that's a definitely a rock and roll name so i don't know how we ended up hearing of you guys besides seeing you at the boise Summerfest thing there but prior to that a good friend of ours that lived in the seattle area had come down to sacramento and he had the Arrival album. The back of the album cover had all those cool pictures. Yeah. You guys were jet skiing and doing all this cool stuff. Yeah. What a great album. You know, some of the pictures, the other guys in Rail, pretty athletic, you know, uh, and our best friends who had, weren't signed at the time, Queensryche, all the Queensryche guys, they were yeah. in the mob at the time. We used to play baseball every Sunday. Mm. But they, those little shits would knock the ball over the fence. They were as athletic or more. And we played every Sunday for months, you know, and just happened to have those photos and put them on the back of the record before they were signed. Oh, wow. The Queens right guys? Rick gave uh, Chris and, and Mark guitar lessons. for Yeah, Chris yeah. DeGarmo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mike Wilkins, yeah. What bands have you been watching on the cruise, man? Who's been turning you on? You know, everybody's good. I mean, I, I haven't seen a bad band, and some of it is surprising. I mean, uh, Y&T was great. You guys were phenomenal. Your guitar was so sweet. I mean, I know I'm Thanks, sitting here with man. you, but I'm telling you what, dude, it was, it was awesome. So you got almost 50 years with Rail. Did we say 50 years? Yeah. Am I exaggerating? Yeah, 50. No, it's 50. 69 to 20 19 so we're wow yeah. <laughs> man i've seen some pretty funny pictures of you guys from the old days yeah well you know it's, terry was famous for the fur boots and uh they went into the museum the emp that started in seattle paul from microsoft does he uh, put the furry boots in the museum it was in the emp for probably 20 years or 15 years they just took them out a few years ago i heard he broke them out for a show terry That's knight was the, wearing the furry boots we played a couple weeks ago at a casino north of seattle called the Tulalip, and he didn't tell andy or rick you know and rick does an acoustic thing for a little while 
while. And so he jetted back and, and threw on the, the tights and the furry boots and came out. And I think the biggest reaction was from our two guitar players who were like, holy shit, the boots are back. But the crowd, the crowd loved it. Our fans loved it. You know, it oh, heck yeah. Kind of a connection to the past. The boots are back. Yeah. <laughs> That's classic. Yeah. So, you know, if any of you listening have never heard the band rail, please check them out. They're like a cross between triumph and rush and all the great northern bands you know you guys had that northern sound yeah there's a lot of melody there's a lot of double guitar leads uh, um we know that's kind of a signature thing for us and terry's high voice and yeah and then and then some double bass and tom pounding yeah, double bass and tom pounding and stick breaking yeah. <laughs> from yours truly, Kelly Nobles. Of course, of course. <laughs> so talk about some other things outside of music, because the original concept for Far Out Podcast was guys like you and me who do other stuff outside of music. Now, I don't want to get my facts wrong here. You really worked hard with UPS for a long time. Yeah, so one step before that, you know, Rick left the band in 85 for a few years to go to college and got it agree that's right about when things are really lighting up so we were wondering who the hell are we going to get to play guitar and it ended up being ronnie montrose that's right ronnie montrose yeah, yeah. He played with us for about a year and a half and several different tour legs and our fans call it the montreal we did half montrose vintage stuff and half rail stuff and he was a great guy i mean those were good times and then and then rick came back and then in about 88 89 the guys we'd been playing so much terry and andy were married and rick and they had kids and the kids were getting to be older and they just pretty much stopped playing yeah. so in 89 i needed to get out of town or i would be <laughs> yeah. in trouble i moved from seattle to oregon where i was born in a lot of family down there and started at ups pulled triples for 15 years and then i went into management and i ended up being the operations manager for northeast oregon i had six ups centers that i managed for another 15 years and just recently retired wow man yeah. well gosh congratulations obviously a very hard-working man oh yeah that's what i loved about rail too being a hard-working band when i first saw you guys you had your own stage production you guys were putting on an arena show in the clubs every chance we could we'd take another loan and and i think we were up to a few hundred pars and trusses and had to buy a semi and and uh it wasn't your typical club you know when we rolled in no we, we had the we had the distribution box that jerry would have to go over to the power and and put one hand behind his back and tie in the cables for our circuit so we could get enough power to the stage to run everything but, yeah well, yeah you guys were putting on arena shows in the clubs man back in the old days all right so now let's talk about your new venture you're a hemp farmer yeah yeah so i kind of fell into that you know we're on 100 acres and we have alfalfa 60 acres and and timothy grass hay that that we've done for ever since i've been there in 2000 because you have horses as well yeah my dad my sister were both trainers at emerald downs and they ran horses in portland and so we had the brood mares and horses at boat attendant we'd have 16 or 18 horses off the track you know and that's all simmered down we're down to three now uh, and they were out of the horse business at the time, but um, that was a cool connection. When you talked with my wife, you just melted her because she's a horse person. And, and oh you. yeah, we had a great conversation about horses backstage. Uh, where was that gig? At, at, with Def Leppard at the Portland. Oh okay, at the Rose uh, Coliseum Ro- Ro- there. Yeah, Ro- they used to call it the Rose Garden, and now it's called the Moto or something. The Rose Garden. Yeah, we were backstage, and yeah, we were chatting it up for about an hour about yeah. horses. Yeah. Yeah. So you started off growing grass hay, orchard grass, and stuff like that. Still have that. And then in Blue Tattoo, our, our other 
guitar player, but he told me about this friend he knows. He owns a fertilizer company called The Kind 420. Top end fertilizer for marijuana. Wait, 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 wait. The Kind 420. The Kind the kind 420. This is where I'm going to insert a far out. <laughs> so we're talking about the kind 420 people. Yeah, the logos, the bad scientist with the white the white coat and the hair sticking up, and you know. He's, oh, he's a scientist. Well, he's that's the logo. Oh, know? okay, so, all right. So, uh, but Kelly Martin, our partner, that has been experienced for in all kinds of operations, and so he's the genius behind this. They got me involved with this growing hemp. I'm the dirt guy. I'm the farmer. Okay. Kelly's the botanist, and you know we ended up not just growing the hemp for the biomass, which is what everybody does. Well, today's hemp and today's pot is definitely a lot more further along scientifically than it was back in the 70s, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, My mom grows weed, and, you know, when she was living up in the hills, they were, like, scientifically using, like, bat guana and all this, like, recipes for the... He's got that, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they mix mix blends with all that stuff for the 420 fertilizer. Okay, so we're talking about 100 acres, you said? So that's the farm but we ended up doing we plowed through five acres we're going to plant six thousand plants and we ended up only using about three and a half or six thousand plants um, but the, the thing that kelly decided partway into this was let's be breeders which means grow seed uh-huh. but it, it has to be feminized because if it's male it'll, it'll ruin the crop right. so you've got to take a female plant and they give them three types of chemicals and they make them think they're male and then they got to they grow the plant then they got to uh, shake the branches and scrape pollen into a petri dish and by the time you end up with a little four ounce bottle it's about ten thousand dollars you know so wow holland is expensive yeah and then you got to pay i paid 15 kids two thousand hours to take little watercolor brushes and paint that pollen on every single bud on every plant holy cow so it's very complicated to get the plants pollinated uh-huh. and then you grow the seed and then uh, which we ended up being uh, successful at wow and so now um the seed is worth you know 10, 20 times what the biomass is. So we kind of took it to a different level. We do have the biomass for the CBD, but everybody's getting into this hemp thing and they need seed. Mm-hmm. And so we're, so we're kind of the head of the game on that too. And So you're manufacturing the seed? Yes, we grew the seed and Kelly's, Kelly's uh, marketing it right now. He's hired attorneys to draft the seed contracts because there's a lot of genetics and copyrights and you know lawsuits behind selling somebody else's genetics. So wow. it's turned into quite a, quite a business. That's amazing, man. <laughs> what a thing to get into. Yeah, we're going to get you into it. Okay. All right. It's kind of like making beer. It's kind of yeah. like making beer. <laughs> you know, the beer making thing I've learned is definitely a science project. I mean, you got to have every detail. The grain has to be ground up just right. It's got to be put in at just the right temperature. And then it's got to be immediately cooled into a lower temperature and put into a different tank. And yeah, it's a whole process. And what you're describing to me with the hemp seeds. That's pretty uh, pretty detailed. Then you got to take the seeds to the Oregon uh, University, and then they test, they grow them. They s- check germination rates. They check uh, CBD content, THC content. You can't have more than 0.3 of THC mm-hmm. if you're going to sell it as CBD. So there's there's a lot of testing and certification. And okay, so the end result of what you're doing, starting at ground level, the dirt work, like you said, yeah. the end result is like CBD oil. Yeah, that's the biomass, the flower. That's what 
what they'll distill down to oils and, okay. and it's for that purpose for medical purposes then yeah, yeah and, and uh you know my folks are in their mid-80s and mom was having trouble getting getting around in the house and she started using cbd for her knees yeah she's out gardening a lot of the people that are, are using cbd now they never smoke pot and they're older folks who don't want to smoke pot but it works so well they'll give it to their friends who give it to their friends and yeah i've got some friends who have uh, distilleries uh, pot distillery shops and they make more money off selling cbd products to older people who've never been interested in thc right and now they're manufacturing it into cookies and gummies and things that are edible so people don't have to smoke it and you know pollute their lungs and everything and the medical benefits are definitely it's it's a miracle it really is it definitely works i know personally whenever i've had like back flare-ups or whatever you know i put the cbd ointment on there and it it helps right away yeah and uh like you said your mom she's out there gardening now oh yeah i have a friend named mark keith uh, he and his wife who's a doctor in town have started a record company called 419 almost 420 because it's yeah. cbd it doesn't have the thc right right and they're doing a feature film and they've got an album coming out and uh, I got, i'll tell you about it they'd like to get you involved in that too we'll see if we can twist your arm hey well we don't have to twist it too hard i love doing things and i would definitely love to be a part of that yeah All right, well, I'll follow up with you. Okay, yeah, we're going to stay in touch, Kelly. I'm talking to Kelly Nobles, one of my all-time favorite drummers, but beyond that, one of my all-time favorite people. Bro, thanks for being on the Far Out Podcast. Be sure to check out Kelly's drumming on my new track, Ride Strong. It's coming out soon. And, you know, I'm going to give him another taste of it right now. What do you say? I say right on. Crank it up, people. This is Ride Strong with my good friend Kelly Nobles kicking ass on the double bass drum kit. <laughs> 